Listen up, bowlers. Are you looking to gain the mental edge over your competition? Do you ever need that extra burst of all-natural energy during league play? MindFrame is the first all-natural supplement packed with vitamins and all-natural ingredients to keep bowlers at the top of their game. Supports muscle recovery and joint support for the day after that long tournament. You cannot continue to neglect your most important tool, your body, if you want to win. Experience the striking power of MindFrame. Visit S3Direct.com. That's S3Direct.com. Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know, from the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Rick Ramsey. Rick is the tournament director of the BTM and 123 tournaments, which are being held this year at the Grand Sierra Lanes in Reno, Nevada. Uh, these are tournaments that usually coincide with the USBC Open. Rick, Tim Berg, and Joey Sarar here. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, good morning, uh, Tim and Joey. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. You guys do a great job. We've enjoyed uh, listening to some of your interviews and one of the things you mentioned about uh, the side tournaments, uh, I got a kick out of listening to Keith Hamilton with Boulder's Journal a few weeks ago when he uh, referred to us as a parasite. That's the first time I've been been called a bug, and I, and I really liked it because we uh, do provide a service. Uh, we're not the main event. We, we never have tried to be, but uh, we appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to work with the bowlers and offer them a chance to participate in another tournament since they – they fly all the way across the country and then uh, the bowl nine games. So with the side tournaments, well, it gives them a chance to participate and to bowl rather than uh, uh, spend their money in some of the casinos. Yeah, and the casinos are sure to get most of the money. But, uh, you know, Rick, I've always felt that the warm-up tournaments that, that you provide in the Bowlers Journal are, are just good for the bowlers to kind of get their, their footing and, and their feel for their game in, in a new territory, let's say. Well, that's what we, when we started the BTM tournament a few years ago, of course, it's been on a flat oil condition until this year, and we changed it to the Kegel Turnpike. But it, certainly with the scoring that's happened in the local leagues and the league shots are so much easier. It's, it's difficult to, to really know how good you are or to know how your equipment's going to react on other conditions until you have a chance to participate on those tougher conditions. So we started the BTM with the idea that they would give the guys that are competitive the opportunity to really test their equipment, to test their skills, to tighten up their game and their arm a little bit so that they don't just swing it to the right or swing it to the left. And, and it was uh, very successful for the last uh, nine years. So, Rick, let's talk about the decision to go from the 40-foot flat pattern to the Kegel Turnpike. Uh, just talk about your decision and how you came about making that decision and then where you envision this going in future years if this is something you're going to continue with other Kegel patterns. Well, we had uh, had talked about it for the last three or four years. We reached a certain plateau in the number of entries, and there's only a certain uh, percentage of the bowlers who come to the USBC championships that are, are true sport bowlers, and it's the same thing that USBC has found with their sport bowling leagues. There's only a certain percentage of people who want to participate in a tougher lane condition. Most uh, bowlers are more on the recreational side and with a little sport, and they like to score, and 
and the score big. And, and that's something you can't do on the tougher lane conditions. So we, uh, Bowling This Month magazine uh, certainly is the technical magazine of the industry. Uh, it's for those people who want to gain more knowledge about both the physical, the mental, and the technical side of uh, bowling. And uh, so we, we went with the flat condition for several years, and then we made the decision to do something a little more defined so that the bowlers uh, that have access to different lane conditions at home would at least have an idea that we have something that with, that's a structured lane condition rather than just the flat oil gutter together, similar to what the uh, U.S. Open tournament has uh, been bowled on for the last several years. You know, and, you know, Rick, I, I agree totally. We began sport bowling here in Milwaukee uh, probably about 12 years ago. Uh, Don Loomis, Ed Bauer, and myself uh, kind of morphed it from a World Team Challenge League, which was the same concept. Uh, honest feedback was our mantra, let's say, where bowlers didn't always see honest feedback on a house shot because slightly errant shots, imperfect shots uh, were hidden from the bowler because you always struck. Whereas on the flatter shot, the, the more honest feedback, bowlers could recognize their inconsistencies in either speed or targeting. Uh, now, in your tournament, you talk about the, the new pattern you, you've gone to. Do you oil fresh each squad, or do you let it go for the entire day? No, we just, uh, we've always just oiled once a day when we start in the morning. <clears throat> and Kegel uh, uh, works with us. We... Uh, uh, have a Kegel Ion machine that only has our two tournaments programmed in it. We don't have a, a chance for a lane or for a uh, house condition or anything. We we simply uh, put our uh, Gus with Kegel does a great job helping us each year to establish the patterns and then set them up in the machine. And uh, we only oil once a day. Uh, some bowlers like it fresh. Some bowlers don't like it fresh. Um, you know, it's it's just a, a we don't know how many bowlers we're going to have on any given day. If we knew we were going to have 50 or 60 bowlers, then we would probably re-oil it sometime during the day. If we only have 20, 30 bowlers a day, then there's really no reason to re-oil because it's, it basically stays fresh all day. Rick, talk a little bit about the decision to come up with the one-two-three tournament and, and uh, how it fits in with this whole structure of the U- USBC Open and the BTM and the Bowlers Journal tournament as well. Well, again, we've uh, made a lot of modifications to our events over the years, uh, listening to the bowlers. You know, we have the clean block pot. We we had the alibi singles uh, because guys said if if I just hadn't had that one bad game, so we we came up with the alibi singles a few years ago. Um, the one, two, three, we could see that the BTM wasn't going to grow uh, enough to really uh, sustain its, itself and do what we wanted to do. So we uh, felt that that if we offered the bowlers an opportunity to participate in a tournament that's uh, not its not a lot of money or anything, it's a reasonably priced entry fee, uh, to give them a chance to warm up on the same pattern that they're going to be bowling on at the USBC. You can never totally duplicate a pattern. I don't, you know, regardless of what anyone says, we can only put it out there and, and hope that it plays the same or similar to what they had at the stadium. And... Uh, the first year in Las Vegas, uh, we did it without a lot of great fanfare or anything, just to introduce it and see how it would work out. And then last year here in Reno was our second year, and we doubled in entries, and we had a lot of positive feedback from the bowlers. And it's uh, we now we have teams that come in uh, specifically the morning, like particularly if they bowl at 2.30 in the afternoon, they'll come in at 9 or 9.30 of the morning and, 
the whole team will come in and they'll bowl their three games and get through by noon and then go over to the stadium. And it's very rewarding when you have guys that uh, participate in the one, two, three, and and they get a clue. They have a clue of what uh, you kind of give them a roadmap, so to speak, and and a lot of them can read that roadmap and some can't. But they uh, go over and perform very well. Um, you know, you take the uh, Brian Brazos team and. Uh, Jason, those the guys that are in first place over there, they bowled both the BTM and the one, two, three for a couple of days before they went over to the stadium, and it makes us feel good and very happy that people have that type of performance. So if we we just hope that we could give them an opportunity to uh, uh, to get lined up a little bit when we when we first started it, we thought of it more of a trio because we like the team concept and uh, the trio portion of it didn't take off like we thought it would, but the single side did, and, and it's continuing to grow this year. So, Rick, do, could you explain the one, two, three concept? Because uh, I have not bowled it. I bowled the BTM tournament, but not the one, two, three. And can you also touch base on the lane surface that both tournaments are held on? Is it similar to what's at the stadium? Well, the, the one, two, three, uh, we were trying to come up with a name, and and uh, Jim King said, well, let's just call it the one, two, three. One is singles, two is doubles, and three is trio. So that's how we came up with the name. And um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the lane surface, um, you know, there's no two lane surfaces that are the same. The, the uh, Grand Sierra Bowling Center um, has been a great bowling venue for many, many years. And uh, as, as some of the guys experience when they go across uh, four pair of lanes, at the Grand Sierra, the the um, uh, panels, the head, particularly the head panels, have been replaced at various times. So you get some real inconsistency on the friction there. But uh, for the most part, it it still allows you to play in the same area. Uh, I think the one thing that we've noticed down at the stadium, you possibly get a little more hook on the back end than you do at the one, two, three, uh, because of the uh, their their back ends are a little bit cleaner than ours are, since we have to clean off. Uh, the uh, uh, house shot and and you know in various other conditions and so forth, but uh, it's it's very similar. Um, when bowlers ask me how close it is, uh, I just tell them to ask other bowlers. I uh, certainly running the tournament, I'd like to say, well, it's just exactly the same thing. But you but you can't duplicate it. Uh, any surface from any bowling center around the country uh, is going to be a little bit different, even if it's the same brand and installed at the same time. There's going to be some variation. You just can't totally duplicate. Very similar to what we had with wood lanes back down the road. You know, you, uh, every wood lane had its own characteristics, and uh, while the synthetics uh, are not uh, not what we used to bowl on, uh, they still have some characteristics, and not all of them are going to play the same. So, Rick, then uh, again, Rick Ramsey, tournament director of the BTM and One Two Three, joining us on the Above One Eighty dot com podcast. Rick, you say it plays similar to the one, two, three. That is, would you say a lot of bowlers are coming in and using the same surfaces as what they're using over at the tournament when they come back, uh, the USBC tournament? That is, when they come back to you and give you feedback, or are people using a little bit more surface down at the Grand Sierra? You know, I think they're using a, a very similar to the same. They're, they're not changing it too much. You can tweak it a little, but you still. The the main thing is you have to make good shots, regardless of what the surface is on the ball or how it's drilled or anything. Uh, you look at the guys that are at the top of the leaderboard for the most part over there, and they're guys that can repeat, repeat, repeat shots, and uh, and that's what it really takes. Uh, you know, Ray Edwards came out to our tournament. I haven't talked to Ray since he bowled, but the 
Ed Gallagher and the whole Ebonite group came out one morning, or the, or the morning before they bowled at 2.30 in the afternoon. They were one of those groups. And Ray starts off, shoots uh, uh, 190, 192, then he has 278, the third game. And I was real busy that morning, so I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but I would like to certainly like to have some feedback from him. But uh, uh, most of them try different surfaces, and then they uh, come up with something close to what they want to do at the at the stadium, but everyone has different ideas about uh, about surfaces. So uh, that's the one thing when you're when you're around as many bowlers as we are, uh, there's very very few that have the same ideas, and it's uh, it's real interesting to watch them prepare. And if they think, I think it's a, the mental side of it. If they think that they've got the right thing in their hand, then they'll go perform better. You know, Rick. One thing I'm seeing from scores coming from the Open. Uh, uh, a lot of handed players are having some pretty good tournaments. Uh, are you seeing similar things at, at both tournaments you run where the, the big-handed power player are, is just dominating once the pattern opens up, or is it irrelevant of rev rate and, and more just the, the better shot maker is, is continually cashing in your tournament? Well, I think this year, uh, and, and, and we, try to, we, we try to build both of our events on the shot-making ability, but uh, this year... It appears that the uh, uh, the big rev rate bowler, the the guy that really hooks it, he didn't have that advantage that he might have had the last couple of years at the USBC. And uh, the stroker uh, type player has a real good shot down there because the lanes uh, they open up a little bit, and uh, and if you can uh, you know you can repeat shots. Uh, uh, the you don't have to be the power player this year like maybe in some other cases you've had to be a power player or the game favored the power player the uh, the guys that uh, are accurate um, the rev rate doesn't have to be as strong as what it has been and sometimes to score uh, real well tell everyone when your hours are when they can bowl and how they can reach you if they have any questions I know there's a couple blackout dates possibly or some stuff that the Grand Sierra has going where the tournaments will not be running or there's some abbreviated hours so just take this opportunity to let folks know that are coming out in May or June when those times are when the blackout dates are okay well we start at uh, nine o'clock each morning and we operate seven days a week just continuous bowling. I, in fact, I've actually started some bowlers at 8:30 when they came in. You know, guys from the East Coast. Uh, heck, it's almost noon by the time it's nine out here, so they're up and about. We had, we do continuous squads, and with about four o'clock in the afternoon being the last squad time, uh, we might expand that a little bit as their winter leagues finish up at the Grand Sierra. But for the most part, we operate seven days a week. As you mentioned, there are a few days that we can't operate because they have special functions and special events coming in. And um, we realize that we're a sideshow and that the bowling center has to take care of their normal flow of business. And uh, uh, it's ever, it's changing quite a bit from what we had a few weeks ago. Uh, some of the events are canceled, and uh, there are a couple of dates in June that we had blacked out that um, uh, that now we're going to be able to bowl. So. The best thing to do is uh, just either call us at 800-218-1667. That's my cell phone. Again, it's 800-218-1667. Or you can look at our webpage, bowlingthismonth.com, and uh, there's a calendar on there that lists, and we keep it updated as quick as much as we can. And, and uh, it's always a moving target, but we uh, want to be there as, as many days as we possibly can. The tournament runs until uh, July the 3rd will be our last day, that Sunday. And uh, we, we just enjoy uh, visiting with the bowlers. We also 
for a lot of the tournament bowlers that want to bowl the side events, they ship their bowling equipment to us at the uh, Grand Sierra Bowling Center. Uh, gives them an opportunity to uh, to come in and pick their equipment up there and bowl. And normally, the last thing that bowlers do when they're in town is bowl the, uh, uh, the, the at the stadium, and then they utilize uh, Bowling Ball Express to ship their equipment back home. And not only is it convenient for them, but it also saves them some money on the way out here. So we've offered that service for guys for the last couple of years, and it's worked out very well for a lot of the tournament bowlers. Well, Rick Ramsey, again, thank you for taking some time to join us. Best of luck. And one of the things that we're going to start doing on the Above180.com podcast on the website is we're going to be doing with Rick a once a week. And, and I think, Rick, we decided on Mondays we're going to do this. Where we'll, we'll have you come on and just do a little uh, update of the standings of double singles and everything just to keep bowlers in the loop, so to speak. And uh, so they're, you know, possibly can listen to it on the go and they don't always have to worry about going to the website to find out more info. So uh, stay Absolutely. tuned for that. Absolutely, we'll be looking forward to that. We do have a we had a couple of changes the last couple of days. You know, it's we've uh, with Riggles on uh, Facebook. Uh, some of us are saying there'll be a 3,500 shot at the uh, at the stadium this year, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Jeff does a great job uh, uh, covering the what's happening out here and and around the country for bowling. And um, we did have a couple of uh, new leaders yesterday, uh, one in the singles and. He bowled extremely well at the USBC yesterday afternoon, too. And I'll just save that till Monday, and let's see how he finishes up over there. Excellent, Rick. Uh, Thank you, and best of luck with both tournaments that you're running. And we'll be uh, talking to you again Monday with that update, so stay tuned for that. Uh, That was Rick Ramsey, Joey, joining us on the Above180.com podcast. I know one of the things that I've been doing kind of just since I've started bowling nationals is – we bowl the side events first. We bowl the Bowler's Journal, and then we bowl the BTM. We haven't done the one, two, three like yourself, but I'm thinking this year I actually might do the one, two, three just to see once how it is and, and play on the, the pattern over there. Well, you know, Tim, it can't hurt. I mean, it's always good. I've always felt when, when you arrive in a new city, get your feet on the ground. I mean, throw some balls, loosen up the arm so you can become somewhat acclimated to the climate, you know, just the feel of a new state you're in. And and that makes it easier when you get to the national tournament. You you don't feel as though you're you're as out of sorts. Well, exactly. And I know for a lot of guys, like Rick uh, indicated, they either ship their stuff through Bowling Ball Express or ship it through him. So you may not have thrown a ball in in five to seven or ten days, depending on how long it took your stuff to to arrive in Reno. So it's always good, obviously, to to bowl some stuff beforehand. Right, and we want to break loose those cobwebs and and get the joints moving and and have some you know comfort feel you know in the environment of, of the game of bowling and and again when you, when you don't bowl for a week you know it, it it doesn't come that easily no matter how many years you've been bowling you, you want comfort you want to feel secure in your environment and i think it just makes things easier to you know perform your best uh you know now if you want to touch base tim a little bit on the, the pattern uh, i've had the opportunity to bowl in three different centers with the open pattern uh, all three centers are synthetic, but different ages of synthetic. Well, one's an SPL surface, about three years old. The other one's a, a five-year-old anvilane. And the, the last surface is about a three-year-old anvilane surface, which is what's at the, the open. And I'll tell you, all three patterns play similar, but they all three required a different grit dullness on a ball to get a good reaction from my game. Uh, strangely enough, none of the patterns uh, in any of the houses did polish work well in game one or two. 
primarily because the ball would really react a little bit too late or be just a little bit squirty. But I've seen as, as low as 800 grit give me a good look and as smooth as 4,000 give me a good look. So I think bowlers need to go there with an open mind, realize that uh, they're going to need some surface to the ball in the fresh. And uh, the common thread I've heard from bowlers that have bowled it already, I've talked to at least 50 bowlers that have come in the pro shop, the back ends are, are clean and strong. And, and even Rick alluded to that in the interview that uh, you know players are saying, but the open hook's just a little more on the back end. I think what a lot of people fall into that trap, though, they hear, oh, clean back ends, friction on the back ends, I need a polished piece. And what you're gathering, and, and the same thing I've seen when I've bowled on it at a couple different places, is that's not the case. You want to control that back end hook because if, if you have something, like you said, that's too polished, it does just skid snap or a little squirty on the back end. Right. You know, you want to control the lane in, in two sections, and, and I don't mean left to right, but front to back. Uh, from the foul line to the break point is important, and then what the ball does after the break point. Uh, dull surfaces give bowlers a more secure read and feel from foul line to break point, whereas polish can be like a, a sprinkler system. You know what I mean? If you're a half board off at 10 feet from the foul line, that may result in a, in a three board or four board error at the break point where a dull surface may only be off by a board or two. Uh, the other advantage dull gives you is it does control the snap or motion as the ball leaves the pattern. Now, a player with slow speed, not a lot of hand may use polished because they need both elements polished equipment gives them, which is added length, easy length, and strong back end. On the other side of the coin, a speed-dominant player who, who doesn't have a lot of hand, they're going to need some lower grits to get the ball started and prevent too much skid through the front, and they'll have to play direct. It's, it's plain and simple because you're, you're hard and straight. Uh, one thing I have seen, though, as the lanes break down and, and uh, the players burn the pattern in a little bit, that's where it gets a little tricky, Tim. Uh, some guys are going to polished, you know, lightly polished, and they got a nice little window to throw at, a hook spot. Others stay with dull and, and make parallel moves or two two and one moves inside the pattern and maintain a good look. But some lose carry, so it's a uh, it's a balancing act, Tim, to sometimes find the right thing that'll work, uh, you know, give you some room for error, give you a good pin carry, and uh, you know, again, it, you have to make educated guesses when we're out there and talk to your teammates and see what they see because there are times your teammates have a, a clearer you know, perspective of what your ball motion is than what you may have being at the foul line at release point. And then, Joey, the other thing I guess I would impress upon bowlers who are listening is to, if you get a chance to practice on the pattern, like Rick said, like we've both said, we've tried to say this as many times as we can, it may not play the exact same, but it will give you an idea. Also try to go in there at different times and look at who's bowling. So you bowl on that USB-C pattern, like you said, after a little bit of carry down, after maybe 10 or 15 or 20 games. So you see what it's going to be like possibly your second or third game of team as opposed to always going in there when the center opens at 9 a.m. and bowling on it, what it's going to be like for fresh. Right, and, and the, the reason uh, I think you shouldn't neglect worrying about what to do during transition, a good friend of mine shot 690 in team, and typically a team event eats him alive. And then the following day he shoots two mid-500s because he wasn't really ready for what was gonna, you know, he was going to see during transition phases. Uh, 
so again, you, you need to be prepared both for fresh and for what happens as the lanes start creating more friction. And I don't think there's as much carry down, Tim, as what we may think or perceive. But what does happen very, very often in today's environment is the late mid lane area, the area between, say, 25 and 40 feet, has what's called oil depletion. So when we throw a ball in that area, there's still oil there, but not as much. The ball tends to read that area a little bit, thus taking away from some back-end reaction or back-end energy, and our perception is it's carry-down, whereas the reality, it is not carry-down. And generally, the, the best solution to combat that environment is either balling down, going to a weaker ball or a longer pin distance, staying in the same area so you, you see more length and more back-end energy, or making moves deeper inside the pattern so you see some fresh oil between 25 and 40 feet. Uh, the controversy always arises, though, you know, well, what should I use on the fresh or transition, a pin down or pin up? And, Tim, I'll tell you, you bring both, and you throw them both, and you see what kind of motion they give you. But generally, pin downs tend to be a little smoother and more gradual and more arcing off the pattern. So if you're playing pretty direct up the boards, pin downs typically give you a good look. As you move in the pattern and you start throwing the ball away from the pocket some, pin-ups tend to respond quicker to friction. They don't go longer. Everyone thinks they do, but they just respond quicker to friction, so they give you a little bit more angular motion off the break point. That is when typically pin-ups shine, let's say. They, they, they come into their own in that environment. Now, if you're a high rev, 400 rev rate player like a Todd Filter, you know, he can use pin downs for almost all nine games and see a great reaction because the back ends are clean, he's got speed, he's got high revs. If your game doesn't fall into that category, you may need to go from pin down to pin up as the tournament transpires. Joey, we've ran out of time. We, I do want to tell people, uh, please check us out on Facebook. We have a, There's a great conversation going on right now. We posted the question, uh, and again, our Facebook is taking your bowling game to the next level. And the question we posted is this, and we're going to read some of these next week on the air, so uh, stay tuned for that. But the question we posted was, congrats, you are now the new president of the USBC. What is the first thing you're going to do to revive the sport? And I can tell you already, Joey, we're getting some great uh, input and some, some great advice. And I think we actually should uh, pass these along to the USBC because it's a lot of things that I, I agree with. So let's share some of those next week. But unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Well, Tim, it was a great show. And uh, I'll tell you, Rick Ramsey is a great person. I, I met him many years ago when, when we bowled the BTM. Uh, they run a very, very good event. And uh, I mean, bowlers definitely should give it a good look as well as the bowlers journal tournament and uh, and hope everybody shoots big at the at the open for joy sarar this is tim berg good luck and good bowling